Welcome to Tax Wrap, the podcast of Tax and Super Australia. Each fortnight, we present news and insights to tax and SMSF practitioners. If you've got any questions, comments or even suggestions, get in touch at podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Welcome to the Tax Wrap podcast. I'm your host, Steve Burnham. We are into episode 230. Now, this episode, I thought I'd speak to... uh, the author Tom Ravlick, who has previously penned the book Vulture City, How Our Bankers Got Rich on Swindles, uh, which he, he uh, composed after the Hain Royal Commission. And it's a great, it's a great read. This time, though, uh, Tom has come up with another book called Rorts and Ripoffs, uh, in which Tom trains his forensic eye on the business model of scammers. Uh, he highlights the various ways people can become victims and shares techniques that you and your clients can use to save yourself financial grief. Now, I'll just read you a little extract from the introduction, which which got my attention. Uh, There is a phenomenon that annoys regulators and professional associations equally, and that is the person that poses as a qualified tax agent or financial planner. Some individuals have an unhealthy disregard for the law and have held themselves to be experts in financial advice or as tax agents. There have even been people that continue to offer services to clients despite being deregistered that are labelled as accounting services in an invoice, but tax advice may have been given along the way. How is this even possible? There is a self-assessment regime in Australia, and a taxpayer may sign off on their tax return in their own right, but the person that has been doing their accounting might be asked to look at the numbers to to check them for compliance. The Tax Practitioners Board has encountered numerous examples of people that provide advice that requires a registration with an authority that they do not possess. Consumers or clients are lulled into a false sense of security given a person's academic qualifications or experience as stated on the resume or the company website. Depth of knowledge and the ability to spin rhetoric may be impressive, but that does not equate to being able to provide tax advice or any other form of advice under the relevant laws. There are people out there that pose problems to clients and regulators because they attempt to fly under the radar, flat the rules and pocket the dollars. So uh, an early copy of... Uh, the book Rorts and Ripoffs came by the tax wrap desk and I managed to get hold of Tom Ravlick to have a chat. Tom Ravlick, thanks very much for talking to the tax wrap podcast today. Absolute pleasure, Steve. I, I had a, a chance, um, I, an early copy of your latest book, Rorts and Ripoffs, which is a great title, Rorts and Ripoffs. Um, uh, came across the tax wrap desk and I was having a bit of a read. Love the line in there um, in your introduction about uh, the scammers and hoodlums uh, exist irrespective of whether they're wearing a Xenia suit or a cheap hoodie. <laughs> that resonated. Um, but tell me, Tom, I mean, what, what prompted the writing of this book? Okay, there's a, one of the things that came to light after having written Vulture City, which is my previous book for Wilkinson right. Publishing yep. on the Banking Royal Commission, was that there is probably merit in looking at doing something that is a, a self-help book for people that are trying to understand what they can do to avoid problems. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, when they deal with advisors or they deal with you know, companies on websites or they deal with, um, you know, websites that are trading sites like eBay or Gumtree oh, yeah. yep. or they deal with the, the people they're, you know, trying to fall in love with via a, a romance, <laughs> game, a romance, you know, dating sites. So all of that stuff 
um, uh, began to to percolate. It started with the banking sector and advisors and financial planning. Yep, yep. But as I planned the book, it became obvious that it needed to be more comprehensive. It needed to be extend beyond uh, the area of superannuation, right, and the area right. of uh, financial advice or the area of tax. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So that the book would be more useful to, to everyone looking at it. Well, um, it's, it's interesting because it's funny that you should mention um, the Haynes uh, report because that was all uncovered a whole lot of nefarious kind of uh, activity. It's not all just Nigerian prince scams and that sort of thing. It's um, people uh, can get sucked in by a whole lot of things and and uh, websites or expert air quotes experts can can um, draw a lot of people in. So I. Yes. I it's a, well done. It's um, it's a good exposure. But sorry, I interrupted. Go on. What what um, also prompted you to write the, all this? I think the the other thing. It's a sort of book that I've probably been writing for twenty six years because uh-huh. every time I've come across a problem, whether it's in journalism or whether it's in the organisation of organisations I've worked for, yep. like the Institute of Public Accountants and also Tax and Super Australia, obviously. Yeah, that's right. Um, is the uh, the, the lack of understanding, Steve. Right. Okay. Of how the regulatory system works. For example, not many people who are shareholders of companies would understand that. You know, if a company officer, like a CFO, does something wrong, yep, they can actually refer them to a professional body for discipline. There is a code of ethics. Right. Um, some people might not know there is a code of ethics. <laughs> there is a code of ethics in the accounting profession called APES 110. And that that code of ethics applies to everyone that's a member of a professional accounting body. Right. Now, what you see in the current regulatory framework is you know, company auditors that are registered under the Corporations Act are covered by that. The code of ethics is hardwired and into black letter law, but when it comes to corporate, you know, officers like a CFO or a CEO who are members of these organisations, they're actually not covered by the code in the same way as auditors are. Really? I I didn't know that. Okay. Well, there's no hard wiring of the code of of ethics in the same way in law. Mm. Yes, they're covered by the accounting body, but... Auditors have got a higher bar to meet within their own profession than their peers who happen to be company officers in in entities that are listed or wherever else. Right. It's an interesting, it's a little interesting quirk. And I point in the book to the fact that shareholders ought to be asking a board whether they've referred a company officer that's uh, clearly done the wrong thing to their professional body to for a disciplinary investigation. Right. Um, and and you know, as a way of holding the board accountable, as right. a way of understanding what the board is doing. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. empowering. It. The whole purpose of the book is to empower people who are consumers and investors. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, you know, let's take it one step further and say, how do you, how do you, hold a board accountable 
uh, for the conduct of people who are meant to be professionals yep. and are meant to be following a code of ethics. So it, it was interesting writing that section. It's, it's, it's an interesting, yeah. No, I was going to say it's an interesting thing, Tom, because you, when you mention that, I mean, of course, it's empowering um, shareholders. I mean, I, um, I think a lot of shareholders just they expect a dividend. They they think, oh well, I'm going to grow my capital, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that's it's educational, isn't it? Now, if your book, Rorts and Ripoffs, is is educating shareholders, etc., in their what they have the right to ask a board, that's that that is empowering. That's good to know. It, it, but the other thing is. It's not just their right to ask a board. Mm -hmm. It's their responsibility to ask a board. All oh, right. How right? So? Yep. They're owners. Oh, the they are. Yep. an owner of a company, right? The board right. acts on the shareholder's behalf. Right. It's such a question of. It's not a question of just it being a right. Yep. They've got the responsibility if they choose to act. There, but it's up to them to exercise it. Right, right. They're owners. Yeah, yeah. The board, the board of directors is an agent on behalf of. Right. Okay. Well, that's something, that, of course. Yeah. That that you that rorts and ripoffs obviously points out that that's that's the situation. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that um, uh, I know the ACCC and you know, even the ATO came out recently, sort of warning people that you know that there's scams happening, especially in this pandemic time, which is so disappointing that people rip want to rip people off during these times. Um, what have you found uh, with that situation? Okay. What people always need to bear in mind, mm -hmm. if we strip back all the invective and all the colour, right. is that whenever there's a peak uh, of activity somewhere, mm -hmm. uh, particularly, you know, for example, coronavirus, when there's heightened levels of concern, about health issues or about financial issues, that's when the shysters that want to play on people's <laughs> vulnerability yep. are going to kick in, okay? Right. So the minute coronavirus um, came about, what did you see? In some cases, you saw stores putting up a premium on things like hand sanitizer. That's true. Um, <clears throat> oh, but right, look at it. It, it. Demand increases, supply is low. Right. How do, the sh how do shops deal with it? Um, I mean, we saw the same thing with toilet paper, but that's slightly different, <laughs> of course. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, there are probably people who've got two years' worth of supply <laughs> thinking Armageddon was about to hit. <laughs> but if you're looking at the, uh, if you're looking at the way in which the dynamic comes about, Steve, what you have is... Uh, there's a situation with a heightened level of concern and then people start to take advantage of it. Yeah. And that is what we're seeing. For example, the ACCC came out and warned people yet again that puppy scams exist. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. Right? Now, the thing, the thing is this. Puppy scams have existed for years. Right. And the issue with our little furry friends in puppy scams is that they don't usually exist at all. Right. What right. happens What happens is there might be a pretty photograph, could be a stock photo, who knows, um, and somebody uh, then pays money for the for the pooch, rather, the imaginary pooch. Right, right. And the imaginary pooch never arrives. Mm. There's always a problem. 
Yeah, and I'm until a- somebody wakes up, and and then communication will typically stop, Steve, when somebody wakes up to the fact that they've been they've been dudded. Yeah, there's yeah. no puppy at the end of the transaction. They've lost money, and the scammer moves on to somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing there was a guy on the news on the nightly news a little while ago. I felt I felt pretty sorry for him, but then again, my other thought is, gosh, how how could you fall for that? But then. You mentioned before the word vulnerability. Now, that's an interesting thing because people do feel vulnerable. Um, You've got a whole chapter on the coronavirus, I noticed. Um, uh, And then there's stealing stealing superannuation that you talk about, gone the fishing, etc. It's an interesting phenomenon. Um, Could you talk more about the vulnerability side of things and why this happens? Okay. But way back back in 1907. What? Gosh. Um, way back in 1907, there was a guy called Edward Allsworth Ross who wrote a beautiful um, little paper, um, a book rather, on a thing called, it's called Sin in Society. And he looks at the development of what we would call today white-collar crime. Right. And his entire... Um, hypothesis throughout that book is that as people become more interdependent, okay, yep, with yeah, interdependent, then they depend on experts, they depend on uh, tradesmen, they depend oh, yeah. on others, yep, um, that exposes them to another kind of vulnerability because they've got no way of knowing whether a plum- plumber's done the job properly. Oh. Yep. Or an electrician has done, done the job properly. Yep. Uh, whether a financial advisor has given them advice that is suitable for their situation, or whether a product has been uh, ad, you know, recommended simply because the advisor gets a kickback. Right, right. Um, so when you look at the expertise that is being employed, um, someone might be able to trade off the expertise right and okay. that's the problem and that, that, that that's where the problem lies it's someone who is inexpert having to trust somebody else yep and that becomes the the problem right, now right. and it also opens him up to exploitation yep well, you I mean, can see that you can see that. I mean, I, I, you have to rely on people. You, I mean, I rely on a financial advisor, uh, an accountant, to to tell me the things that I don't know. So, how, how do you get out of it? I mean, what's the way out? Okay, the the question that people need to ask in the advisor space, if we mm-hmm. focus on that, because obviously Tax and Super Australia has got a lot of tax advisors as right. members, and some people who are looking at tax or doing tax themselves yeah the the key to that for instance in the case of uh, tax agents and bass agents yep is for people to be asking what the person uh, belongs to in terms of a professional body yep. are they properly registered um with a professional body do they have a membership a body like typel for example uh, then you've got the uh, notion of a practicing certificate. Um, other we're various organisations of different structures, but a practicing certificate requires people to hold professional indemnity insurance. Right. But that's 
and it's all about seeing where the person is recognised as a professional, what they've got in place for consumer protection. Okay. And then and then whether they've got the right registration to provide the advice. So if you are not a tax agent, for example, um, uh, you're not allowed to provide advice for a fee. Right. Under law. And that's what people need. That's what consumers need to know. They've got to be able to ask the questions that give them a profile of the person they're looking at taking on as an advisor. Yeah, yeah, I see. It's okay. interesting because I mean, you get advice from the consumer ACCC, and it's they tell consumers, you know, check check if this person's qualified. But then, what do we ask? You've just mentioned if they're registered, they need to have PI insurance, etc., um, etc. Et which... Yeah, so, so I mean, it's a case of saying, okay, are they a member of a professional body? Yeah. One. Yep. Do they have the minimum required, you know, qualifications to be a member of an organisation that is recognised? Right. Somewhere. Then you go to the next step, which is, are they a holder of a public practising certificate? Do they have professional indemnity insurance? That is a legal requirement, but it's also a membership requirement if you're a holder of a public practising certificate with one of the major professional accounting bodies. You see, yep. I'm a member of a professional accounting body, the Institute of Public Accountants. Yes. But I'm not a public practitioner. I don't have a practising certificate. I cannot provide advice in the tax space because I don't have a tax agent registration. Yep, yep. And under the Code of Ethics, I'm not allowed to be engaged by people and I'm not allowed to accept engagements from people for things in which I don't have the appropriate legal yep. uh, registration. Right. I'm right. not allowed to do it. No, no. Journalistically, is, yeah, journalistically no. I can write about it, but if you're talking about specific advice yep. in, to deal with a specific personal situation, yep. I can't do that. Um, I can't do it in the context of uh, financial services, but I can write about what ASIC's doing. I can write about what a change in law might mean, yep. but that's general, uh, that's general information yep. uh, that's covered journalistically rather than uh, anything that provides specific personal advice to people. No, no. Well, th th then thankfully, you've, you've spelled all this out in your book in, in uh, Rorts and Ripoffs. And uh, I, I noticed you've got the contacts for the regulators and other bodies that people could, can, can get in touch with. Um, it, it all needed to be said. And um, um, I think the community will be grateful that you've come up with the Rorts and Ripoffs, Tom. It's um, also, uh, it's, it's out this week, isn't it? It's uh, Wilkinson Publishing have uh, published it. And Wilkinson Publishing yep. publishes it. It's available uh, at wilkinsonpublishing.com.au. Okay. Uh, it's also available on other, other websites. It yep. should be available in stores in, in the coming weeks. Yep. The other thing yep. people can do is if they're not uh, you know, uh, keen on having their bookshelves uh, added to with one volume, they can also get it on a couple of the electronic platforms. Oh, right, Amazon that's good. Yeah. Apple. So you can buy it as an e-publication yeah, or, yeah. or a hard copy. Um, while I'm, uh, but there's also uh, uh, 
Vulture City, which is still kicking around. That's right, and that's uh, a good read as well. You? Yeah, it's very good. And, and also, the, your new book, Rorts and Ripoffs, out just in time for Christmas, actually. So, and I would urge listeners um, to think about that as a Christmas present for your your family and your friends, not as a stocking filler. This is a great book, standalone present all by itself. A uh, good read to sit on the beach. Actually, thinking about that, it wouldn't be a good read on the beach in a way, Tom. It'd get me all heated up and I have to have a dip to cool off because it just makes me angry, some of the <laughs> things that, <laughs> that, that you spell out uh, in, in the book. And uh, as I said, I started to read it on the weekend. It was a great read and I haven't, I'm not going to put it down just yet. I'm going to keep going. Um, <laughs> thank you. All right, Tom, look, thanks very much for your time to speaking to Tax Rap Podcast. Thank you for the book. Rorts and rip-offs, listeners, please keep a look out for it. Tom Ravlick, thank you very much for your time. It's absolute pleasure, Steve. Great to talk with you. 